0: Share with Dr. Dave. I'll share with Dr. Dave. I'll share with Dr. Dave.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Project Insights Agile Practice Webinar. Today's topic is Agile Fundamentals for Business Leaders. We'd like to give a warm welcome to our presenter today, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Dr. Dave is a value delivery leader at BioRad Laboratories. He influences cross-functional teams to deliver amazing quality products to delight customers. Dr. Dave is the founder of the Five Saturdays program that empowers high school students through agility and innovation by providing learning experiences in technology and lean business. He is also the author um, of the book, Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way, and innovator of the game Agility Leadership. Dr. Dave produces a podcast on iTunes and Google Play called No Share with Dr. Dave. Good morning, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning?
0: I am wonderful, how about you?
1: I'm doing wonderful, we're one day closer to the weekend, so it's always a good day.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. And so, can you see my screen as I'm sharing? Yes? Okay, main screen, show my screen, okay. Better?
1: Better, you're good to go.
0: Okay, awesome. So, good morning, audience. I hope you guys are doing great today. Um, I want to introduce a special guest. His name is Dan Brown. Um, Dan, you probably need to take yourself off of mute because I want you to say hello to our audience. Um, He's a business development executive at Technosis, an agile enthusiast, coach, and delivery leader. And Dan is a good friend of mine. And so, Dan, why don't you say hi to our audience before we get started?
2: Good morning, everybody. And Dave, thank you very much for letting me uh, participate in this. Very uh, relevant topic that you're presenting to everyone on the call today. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. So I would like to start off and just read a simple quote from the Harvard Business Review. And these few guys, when you think of Jeff Sutherland and Takay, Takai, oh my God, Kaushi. Uh, These guys are pioneers in the whole Agile space. And so their quote, and this is what I took from an article in the Harvard Business Review, it says, agile innovation methods have revolutionized information technology. Over the past 25 to 30 years, success rates in software development improved quality, speed to market, and boosted innovation and productivity in IT teams. So my message to business leaders is that, you guys need to pay attention to the trending maturity of Agile innovation. The iterative nature of Agile engagements and the practice to deliver on demand should make it easier to identify organization and customer value. When teams deliver frequent vertical slices throughout the engagement, the economic value is realized and understood often. So the the mindset here is to Get involved with agility. Look at it as a, a valid differentiator differentiator in your organization, and that could help really move your, the needle in your organization so that you could achieve things faster. So our topics, we're going to talk about what organization leaders want. And, and that's always an interesting thing, because we always go back and say, well, what, what, what do you want? We're going to introduce the iterative framework. Some of you may have seen Scrum before. But that that will be part of the base conversation. We want to understand business value, and we'll we'll share an enterprise balance card, uh, balance scorecard that we adapted from the scale agile framework. So our learning objectives is that we want you to be able to champion agile initi- initiatives in your organization, and you know lead with servant skills, and then develop a culture to maximize value. Now what organization leaders want. So there are five things. And organization leaders pursue a few goals that enable them to maximize profit for shareholders and sustain the viability of the organization. They simply want, one, to retain and increase gross margins. Two, protect and expand brand loyalty. Three, attract and retain Resilient leaders practice four, practice agility, and five mitigate risk. and And I've given this a a, a bit of thought before I put this together. and And this is what I present to many leaders. It's like, are these the things that you really want? And they had I was going, yeah, yeah, those things are really important. And so, if they're able to achieve these five lofty goals, you know, they're in a solid position for success. Otherwise. They will be challenged. And so if you're a leader or you're hanging out with leaders in your organization, you know write these five things down and ask them, are these the things that you're really interested in? Will this really change the dynamics of our organization and make things better? So um, when we look at the very first one, we said retain it and maintain gross margins. So what are we talking about here? And this kind of takes me back to, to business school. And if some of you have studied business, you would see that, Gross margin is the amount earned from the sales of products or sale or services. So it's really nothing more—a simple calculation of net sales minus cost of goods sold divided by net sales. And what that does for the organization, it says, "Look, we're profitable, and we're very profitable as, as an organization. And with that, we have a, a more than like a healthy financial organization if we're managing the money right." So with that, it it makes more available income or or money for investments. So there are more things that you could do within your organization if you have the the ability to retain and increase gross margins. This is one of the things that many leaders in the organization look for, because this is how you could have better bonuses. Well, that's something that I look for. And you could really invest in new products and new ventures and initiatives in the organization. The second thing is to protect and expand brand loyalty. So when you think about it, many companies spend a lot of money on advertising. And really, it's not only for sales, but it's to build a brand that is recognized globally. See, brand matters, and companies go a long way to protect that brand. You know, when you think of Apple, I mean, they're one of the most famous companies where customers are loyal. I am one of those customers. I, I everything is Apple for me, You know, my I have an iMac, I have an iPad, I you know I have an iPhone, I have an iWatch, and I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm sure I have an i something else that I'm not even aware of. But I mean, what what do you think people they're looking for? So companies are always looking for in, individuals who are actually going to buy in to their product. So with protected and an expanded brand loyalty you have cost happy customers which gives you a bit more revenue to work with let me move my screen over here a little bit so okay maybe just minimize this okay let's keep going and so we're dealing with brand loyalty for um which means that we have recurring income coming into the organization and Again, I mentioned Apple because I think they're one of the the more famous uh, brands out there with fierce, loyal customers. You know, you see them lined up outside waiting for the next new product to come out. So we look at attract and retain, you know, resilient leaders. You know, companies are always looking for individuals with the right stuff. You know, resilient for me are, are those who are able to really enable flow which remove impediments or blockers for people get trying to get work done. There's nothing like, you know, e- either you, you can't get a statement of work signed in a timely way, you know, which really impacts your project and your timeline, and, and the ability to get the right people on site so you can start working on a project. This is what I mean by, by flow, where they're removing impediments. And so when things get really tough, you know, those are the people who get up. and, and and find a way to make things easier for others to succeed. And we know sometimes that when we're in, in the business space that things become really difficult at times. And, and sometimes the odds are against your company or, at, or against your project. And these are those individuals that says, this way is north. Follow me. You know, we have the right answer. So they have the right stuff. And. You know, no matter what, you know, there's sometimes the cheerleaders, the ones who are very supportive in sometimes difficult circumstances. And you know, if you've been in business for a while, you, you probably have experienced most of these different things where flow is not enabled, where you have people who retreat when, when things are tough, and there's no path forward. So we companies are looking to attract and retain resilient leaders. And that's something that I try to pursue in in my professional life, and the wonderful thing of, of agility is that is when we start looking at agility, you know, um, we're looking at this uh, quote from from McKinsey and Company, and it says one of the measures of an organization suggests success is its agility, whether it it manages to stay away uh, stay at least one step ahead of the market because if we have the ability to learn fast to make change and take some action it puts us in a in a position for us to be successful so the agility really is just the ability to learn fast and discover new ways to achieve success so what are we really people who practice agility demonstrate some of the following abilities they deliver frequent customer value, they inspect and adapt or pivot for the maximum value, and they minimize waste. They, they try to use every opportunity as a gain and support collaboration and innovation throughout the organization where teams and cross-functional teams are able to work well together. The fifth element that we, we look at is that companies want to mitigate risk. And, and mitigating, you know, mitigating risk are one of those things that we do every day in our life. And although most of us would prefer to just avoid risk, and really, the reality is, risk are always there. They're always present in our lives. So in business, when leaders are able to mitigate risk before they become an issue, good well, things happen, and the business is able to. Increase opportunities and reduce loss. Oftentimes, when we spend the time to really understand what are risk up front, um, it makes a great difference in where we end up as an organization in, in terms of being able to be more profitable or even to avoid certain situations if you're, like, a, a regulated organization. I said, ask powerful questions. Why are we doing this? Why, why is this so important at this point in time? And, and we miss out on some of those basic things um, sometimes as we go through our business cycle. It's for us to stop and ask that question, why? Why are we doing this? Why is this important? Um, I was, we actually just read this book, um, Start With Why, with, with my team recently. And, and you know, I find that they're asking those questions now, which I think is really critical. You know, Why are we doing this? Uh, well, one of the things that I think that we should actually start to begin to look at again is, you know, look at a cost-benefit analysis, and and I'm not saying that we should spend all of our time focused on, on this technique, but it's something that we should look at and said, you know, should we do A or B, and what is the benefits of doing A or B, or maybe can we do a small slice of A and a small slice of B, and maybe we do A-B testing to see which way is better? And when I think of slices, I'm thinking of short increments of maybe two weeks that we could really look at, at, at two different options that we may have that may help us to reduce the risk in what we're doing. And part of that mitigation of risk is that we boost our confidence right? because we don't understand exactly you know, what will take place, what potentially can take place, and what steps we have in place um, to ensure that we can be successful. So at this point in time, we get into the part where we want to do some group interaction and ask this simple question that resilient leaders enables flow within the organization. Is it true or false? And while you guys are out there pondering the answer to this question, I'm going to ask my good friend Dan, you know, can you share your experience with with our friends about what you've learned about what leaders want?
2: Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. I've been in the uh, consulting market for a good 20 years, uh, all throughout the country, mostly in the last you know, 13 years in Southern California. And uh, these are all very valid points. But one of the things I consistently see from all leaders is this appetite for quick results. And uh, you know, quite often there is a misconception that changing from waterfall to agile can be the quick and easy answer. And it's not. There's some challenges. But you do learn and learn fast, right? And I always like to use that over-failing and failing fast. But I do see they want that. They want more visibility, right? And with the collaboration that you're talking about, uh, exposure of risks uh, before they become issues early on, I think that really helps. They want to make sure that the, the the train that's left the station is still moving at the right speed, the right velocity, uh, and achieving the, the results that they want uh, without what's with minimal impediments and failures, and that's where the resilient leader really comes to play a, a, an enormous role. And I know we'll get into this a little bit further, but I do see this mostly in, in every market, every industry, every company that I've worked with. Well, thank you so much, Dan. And Denise, what are the answers?
0: What? Whoa. I think people have been paying attention. The answer is true. I get, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you for paying attention what's going on. Okay, I could tell you this, that if we're going through the process of pursuing agility and using its framework and practice, we have to get ready for newness. The language and the thinking is radically different. It's not the same as you've had before, so I'm going to introduce a new framework and some of you may have heard of Scrum and, and if, if you haven't, it's really just a simple framework that allows teams to work in a collaborative fashion. It, basic things a plan, do, inspect, adapt. That's kind of the mindset. You know, all the work is committed by the team and it's not dictated by management or leadership. And everyone has a voice and contributes to the result. So when you think of it, the very first thing that the teams are involved with is this, they plan and prioritize. And you may have a product owner who really represents the customer that comes with a prioritized backlog with work that help the organization achieve some specific goal. That, that work, its a, here's the very top number one things. There's never five number one things, and some organizations have that issue. So what's number one, all of these five things? No, that's impossible. You could only have one number one prioritized item. So the team works with the product owner through this backlog to make sure that they could work on the highest priority item for the organization. Now, as the team take that backlog, it looks at it and they get into discussions. And it said, what can we commit to? I mean, is it possible to get a lot of this work done? We have a, a very um, specific time box called a sprint, and that sprint is normally about two weeks. It's about two weeks of work. So as you can see in, in our iteration here, we have people who are moving through over two weeks thinking about and getting work done. So we get in and, we, and the team work and execute and deliver that work. Um, th- that plan is devised by the team. They make that commitment and they work To make sure that they could get that work and with the highest quality to the best of their ability. Now, at the conclusion of every sprint, you know, the team set aside some time to review performance and and really determine improvements, you know, while also celebrating success. This is where different business leaders participate in this thing called a sprint review and demo, and they come along and they get some new insights into what was produced by the team over two weeks. Now, two weeks isn't a long time. Um, I, I'm used to working in a in, a, in a, a waterfall many years ago, a practice, where my review would be in terms of maybe every three months when we have work done. Even though we're having weekly status meeting, we're not really demonstrating the work that has been produced, where we could get frequent feedback from our customers. And so that is really very important look the scrum framework is a simple but yet a powerful tool for organizations to thrive now it takes resilience to work at a sustainable pace you know toward frequent customer value of actually producing that every two weeks it really takes a tremendous amount of focus and it takes a tremendous amount of support from the leadership in the organization to really help the teams to be successful in in that context Now, I want to tell you something about the Scrum practice. I said one of the things you have to do is you got to be (laughs) prepared to be exposed. And this is a common message you hear in the Agile community, is be prepared to be exposed. Because oftentimes, there's nowhere to hide when you have to commit to a team of three to nine people each day. You know, what did I complete yesterday? What do I plan to do today? And what are the things that keep me from success? So what people discover is that agile practices really expose some of the weaknesses and the strengths of the organization. And that's a good thing because it gives us an opportunity, you know, over a a two week time to really look at some of the strengths and weaknesses that we have in collaboration. This is something that is fixable and doable. Now, it gives us an easier way to identify areas for improvements, And the thing is, continual learning is possible. So over a two-week period of time where you're finding weaknesses and strengths, you're capitalizing on your strengths and you're improving on your weakness, you're in in a continual learning mode and a continuous improvement mode as an organization. I I think that is such a powerful thing about the practice of agility. Where you're not waiting until you know several weeks later or months later to take action, every two weeks you get an opportunity. And even every day, as you sit you stand up for fifteen minutes and you said, "What did I do yesterday? What do I plan to do today?" And what are the things that are keeping me from success and just knowing that there are other people who are willing to help you to be successful, who are willing to step in and support you at any point in time. Ah, my favorite Yogi Berra. He always has this great saying, doesn't he? You know, and the the power of observation and his definition of of observation. It says you can see a lot just by looking. And really what observation speaks to, it really just describes the act of taking, uh, taking notice of something or some things and fixing the mind on a specific situation. Now, the observation that we look at is through the lens of doing retrospectives every two weeks. And even on the daily, you know, interaction between peoples. there are many stories that are told that you could learn so much more by just observing and asking powerful questions. And so as you're going through this this desire and this passion for agility to allow your, your organization to expand and grow and inspect and adapt I mean, I would recommend that you, you know, go out and see companies who are doing Agility or practicing Agility and using Agile in a successful way. I mean, get out of the building and, and go to some of your local uh, meetups and community events where you begin to see and, and hear the stories of people who are being successful and listen to their challenges. This is another form of observation by listening and, and interacting with others. Also, as you go through that journey, you know, I said hire professionals with industry experience, people who are coaches, people like myself who have the experience with working with many organizations and seeing exactly what works or what doesn't work. And so observation is a key point that we must pay attention to and and just leverage that skill as much as possible. Uh, There's a, a great thing that people talk about transformation and transformation this, but I think the, they miss one of the, the fundamentals that happened with Agile. There's an adoption period and then there's a transformation. When I think of adoption, we're talking about the people in your organization being trained and being and, and there's a coach who's there doing this watchful facilitation. Um, and, uh, we need to do our stand-ups or, or You know, why why are you two not talking to each other when you're working on the same things or or common things? You know, we're missing these dependencies. That's the adoption. And to me, this adoption takes time. It's not something that's instantaneous. And as you know with anything else, uh, you know, it takes practice for you to get good at anything that you do. So adoption is one of the first things that that happens. But then there's transformation, where the team just naturally are in their cadence and a rhythm, and they're delivering value with limited facilitation. Really, they just, hey, it's time for us to do, to gather today, which we call a daily scrum or stand-up. And the thing is, we need to ask those basic questions, you know, what did we do yesterday? What do we plan to do today, and what, what are the things that's keeping us from success? So teams naturally begin that way when they're in a transformation stage. When there, there are compl- difficulties and challenges with interaction with, with, with others, they find a way to move forward, which we're talking about resilient leadership. Now, like I said, the journey begins with adoption. And when we look at it, it takes about nine months to a year to progress to a transformation. It's, it's not something that just happened overnight. It's something that you have to be intentional and practice to get there. What you begin to see is just really mature patterns, you know, during the transformation where people do not become tired of doing retrospectives, you know, work with teens who are at that mindset where, like, oh, my God, we're so tired of retrospectives. We don't want to, you know, like, I said, well, what's wrong with getting better? You know, what's wrong with celebrating the successes that we have? There's nothing wrong with that. And and when you start, to, when the teams begin to look at things in this, in that context, that's where they are in a transformation. And one thing that I also know is that with the maturity of, of practicing agility, I, I could tell you this much. People slip back into back ha- bad habits. Oh, we don't, we really don't want to ask those questions anymore. Oh, God, do we have to do retrospective again this week? Uh, this is so boring. Uh, well, it, we have to be vigilant against that to realize the things that, that got us to where we're success, experiencing some level of success are the things that we have to continue, continue in those patterns. Now, as a tool for business, uh, a business leader, one thing you want to do is, is get into this mindset of, of being a servant leader. Now, servant leadership is hard because here it is that you have to put the people who are trusted to you first, and that's really hard. I mean, I know it's hard for me. It's it's something that I've been working on for years, and sometimes uh, I fall short. It's just what happens. So as a servant leader, here are the things and the attributes that that you have to provide for your teams and the people that are entrusted to your care. And then notice the word, they are entrusted to your care, you as a leader of an organization or a team, right? So we, we want to create these environments that fosters growth. I mean, I do this with my teams today. I make sure that, you know, they get out to the conferences, they give them an opportunity to learn new things every Fridays for two hours. You know, be intentional about this as a servant leader so that they, people could begin to take ownership for their own learning and also for the work that they do. Now it, it also gives you an opportunity to say, hey, I, I see that you have the strength. Leverage it. Use it. Use those strengths so that your organization could be stronger. Oftentimes we want to position people in a certain way, but sometimes it's really looking at the strengths that people may have and said. I think you have the strength. Maybe you try to explore that and see exactly where you get get to. And, and well, I was one, this is one thing that I, I, I like a lot: is thinking about the path of awesomeness. How do you get there? How do you become this awesome um, producer in the organization? And, and you don't have to be the fastest person, but you could be the, a very steady person who provides a steady value to the organization. And so as a team, you could incrementally get there by providing great value over time. And, and also, it's just when we have different scenarios, problems in the organization, that you are able to facilitate and make sure that we bring some of those things um to a path where it's less of a challenge. So now, you know, this is where we stop and interact again as a group. And so the the question is, the servant leader character includes A, create an an environment that fosters growth. B, encourage people to find their own way. C, facilitate problem solving. D, influence others to maximize existing strengths. Or E, all of the above. Now, while you guys ponder the answers to that question, so Dan, You know, what have you observed um, in teams, or when have you observed teams or individuals having, being exposed during an engagement?
2: Well, I think when you're moving towards agile adoption, uh, people don't realize how how, uh, challenging it is. It's not easy. Collaboration in an agile framework is quite an adjustment and it's very relationship driven. So there's the art and science elements on there that I think sometimes are are us underestimated, right? And you might be surprised very early on that the some of the vulnerabilities in your technical experience, knowledge, capabilities, some of the resources for that matter, and team members uh, are exposed at a very early stage. And you have to figure out how to work together and and having that servant leader to guide the team, and facilitate a very safe environment to talk through this together in your retrospectives on a day-to-day basis to unblock impediments is really critical to success. That's so,
0: that's really great. I mean, great to hear that. Um, Denise, how are people progressing in their answers to this wonderful question? Ah, overwhelmingly, yes, all of the above. And we know that the servant leader definitely creates an environment that fosters growth. It encourages people to find their own way. A servant leader, leader facilitate problem solving. Indeed, they influence others to maximize existing strengths. Great job, team. Great job. Now, one thing that a lot of organizations forget to do in, in the practice of agility is strategy and portfolio. And I know this is a little bit of a divergent path, but I think it's relevant for business leaders and some of the basic fundamentals that we still need to enable us to be successful um, long-term. So we we need to have a bigger picture, not just exactly what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And we don't need a lot. You know, I said a little goes a long way. So strategy. Is, is one thing that I think is essential to help us align the organization. And I was reading an article in Forbes and, I, and it says that less than 10% successfully deliver strategy or even have one, much less to, to begin. And and oftentimes, sometimes you run into that when you are a startup company and even in larger companies. See, what, what's the strategy? What are we doing? Where are we going? And is is everyone aligned between you know, how we're we, we are moving forward to be profitable. How, how how are we bringing new ideas to the table? And th- the thing is, we have to ensure that some of our strategies, that they're very specific. And so when they're specific, it helps to focus the organization to a, a specific goal. So, for example, you, you may think that, you want to get into the business of analytics, but what does that really means? I mean? And what does it really mean to get into the business of analytics? Am I just providing a, a series of visual charts, or am I just providing some standard um, tabular reports, or or am I building a, a platform that allows, you know, many organization to take data? and really turn that into a form of information where they could make specific decisions. Now, that's a specific strategy that could help you focus the organization. Now, oftentimes, you know, the leaders come up with a strategy, and that's never shared. It's never shared with anyone in the organization. Well, we should communicate our strategy frequently so that we could help to align people throughout the organization. Now, this helps us to innovate in response to market needs. Uh, And and so, in just giving the example of of looking at at, at analytics as an option, now, that could help people to understand exactly what's going on in the market and what what are people looking for. To support that, we have this concept called strategic themes. basically they're nothing more than differentiators and and so we, one thing that we can look at is that it helps to really connect a portfolio of, of different business strategies that are that are taking place and and I'll, I'll stay with the analytics one and, and and say that so that if we want to use a simple examples that you know we're going to use for different predictive analytics to drive customer behavior, you could think of that as a a theme that you could continually share with your organization to help to drive alignment. And these things help us to, as an input, as one of those items that you have when you're doing your portfolio. And a portfolio is nothing more than a a series of work and at a very high level that you think will generate revenue for your organization. And, and so by, have, by having a simple strategic theme, or a set of themes, you, you could begin to tell a story for the organization that you could get people to get behind, and, and really follow and, and find a way to help you to be a lot more successful. Um, so what, what, when, you, when you start aligning the organization, and you have a strategic theme, now, one of the things in the, in the Agile space that we talk a lot about is business value. And really, it, it is to me, it's, it's one of those elusive topics that I could spend a whole hour talking about and going through different exercises to help people to understand. But I think as just a high-level item that I want you to be aware of, as you're going through the basic steps and understanding the fundamentals, as a leader of agility, that you, to understand business value is also essential. And I say business value truly is in the eye of the beholder because it could be very specific from a financial lens, and a lot of people look at that because they think of business value and they think of business valuation, which is a financial technique to see exactly how much your company is worth. Some people look at business value in, in terms of how are we mitigating risk if we're in a regulated organization, which, in, in essence, you, you can be viewed as an item of, of financial matters as well. But I, I think it's something that should be measured and understood so we could take some action. And, and so one common thing that you can do with business value. You could prioritize and rank them. Well, which item in our backlog has the highest business value, and should we focus on that? So if, if predictive analytics is one of the, the 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 strategic themes that we're looking for, we could use that to start aligning mem- members of the organization to drive toward building the right products and services to support the organization. And, and support our customers with that, then you could measure that and really understand are, are we meeting those objectives or not? And, and if we' we went down this path and we took on the action of doing this strategic theme, is it really generating the right amount of income and revenue for the organization? So it, it's something that you know we should take a look at um, as we're going through this agility transformation. Um, I adopted this huge and this balanced scorecard, and and there are many different versions of this. And, and so I thought this was very interesting from an agile perspective, where we look at the scale agile framework, and and how this helps to bring together the, the context of strategic themes, the, the context of of aligning the organization, and not actually talking about delivering value. And so we could begin to look at this four quadrants and says, well, let's talk about value delivery. Are we producing stuff that are really high, um, that that produces a high customer satisfaction? And, you know, how many uh, releases are we bringing in within a year or even? some organization put things out on a daily basis maybe it's the number of releases like if you're an amazon that you're throwing out every day um or sometimes even in seconds per day um to, to really satisfy your customers or to bring new products to market so you know as part of, of value you start to really focus and energy around value i mean how efficient are you and and as a tech company i you know in the group that i work on one thing that we will look look for is, is how do we minimize waste? And, and you know, oftentimes it's basic things like you know building software and, and making sure that we can deploy it in a in in a easy and, and frequent manner. So you know there's a concept called DevOps, which I'm not gonna go into right now, but it gives us the ability to frequently build software, test it, get it out to market whenever we need to, without it being a big fanfare. Some companies, that, that could take up to two weeks, two months, to deliver something to market. Well, with this level of efficiency and agility, you could get things out in minutes. And, and that's really the goal. The other quadrant, the lower left, we're talking about quality. We want to make sure we have things with very low defects. Um, we want to in- ensure that the products that we build with great business value enables our customers to provide referrals and so that our business could grow. this It's the concept that they call net promoter score, where people are so bought in to your product. And that's what we're talking about, you know, this brand loyalty, right? I mean, your quality is so good that people are are, feel very satisfied and, and supported with what you produce. And it doesn't just have to be software, it could be anything. Additionally, agility. You know, I said out innovate competitors, be better than than your competitors so that you could really begin to change the marketplace. And you know, the market is always changing. So how do we inspect and adapt and respond to market changes in in a in a very effective way? Now through that, we talk about we'll talk about balancing your portfolio. Now there's lots of stuff going on in this screen. And I could just tell you what, what you really want to focus on is, is how do you split up the portfolio of work, all of those strategic themes that you have, and and try to, to ensure that we spread the risk out in different ways or, or opportunities. So we could say 20% of all of our stuff that we're going to have in our portfolio will be high risk and high profit, and that's what we want to look for. And so we could call those disruptive innovations. Things that we're going to try and shift the market in, in, in a very different way. And agility allows you to do that where we could put things out really quickly, get frequent customer feedback, and begin to pivot or really retain the path that we're on. The other thing is, is that we have to sustain the business, keep the lights on. And so we said let's put 50% there. So we, it's low risk and profit because we know our margin is always going to be 1%. Whereas when we're not 20%, we're talking about high risk and profit, that our margins could be 10%. Well, that's a big big difference, but we know there's high risk there. Now, we can look at emerging markets, things that where some people may call that, it's kind of borderline, with disruptive, but emerging markets are things that you, you're really you're not really sure but you have to put some investments there so that you, you have an opportunity for growth and and take advantage of things that you probably aren't really aware of. So I said put 20% in in that bucket where it's low risk and medium profit. And, um, and then also you could look at, you know, what are vertical markets? Things that are similar to what you're doing or, or complementary and put 10% of your portfolio there. And so that adds up to be 100%, but this is just a recommendation. And for you, you will have to work as an organization to determine what is the right portfolio balance. And so I brought this to, to your attention as a leader so that when you're doing, you're engaging agility, that it could be a tool also for strategy and portfolio. Now. We're back to one more interaction before we get into a few questions. So let's talk about the Enterprise Balance Scorecard, and it includes A, value delivery, B, agility, C, efficiency, D, quality, or E, all of the above. What do you guys think? Dan, um, I mean, how are you? How are customers uh, – really going through and making sure that they have a balanced scorecard in in terms of of looking at initiatives. I mean, what are you saying?
2: Well, first of all, I want to pause and say I I like how you've adopted this new enhanced framework, this balanced scorecard uh, that I was used to using from the old school uh, Kaplan and Norton balanced scorecard that had the four quadrants of financial, customer, internal business process, and learning and growth. So a lot of operational excellence Departments used to live and breathe by that. Now, the shift to evaluating value, delivery, efficiency, quality, and agility, I I think is a really great way of thinking and managing these leading and lagging indicators to have some type of early warning, rapid response in an agile environment. Now, have customers really mastered the art of of developing and really staying true to this uh, balanced scorecard approach? I think there is uh, some maturity to be had there there's some learnings, but it will be effective if you do track uh, and qualify and quantify those uh, all four of those quadrants to have a really truly uh, balanced scorecard to hit the results that you want to uh, in the time that you want to achieve them. And obtain the business value and the right priority that you mentioned earlier is critical to, critical to all leaders in the company's success.
0: Excellent. Denise? What is our friend saying out there? Yep, yep, yep. I think everyone is paying attention for sure. So it's all of the above. Now, this is where we turn to questions from our friends. And Dan and I will do the best that we can to give you whatever insights we have based on our experiences. So Denise, let's um, have a few questions from our audience.
1: Do you want to go through the summary first, or you want to get to questions
0: first? Uh, let's just do the summary and then really quick questions. So, look, what organization leaders really want—you know—they just want to retain and increase gross margins, margins, um, protect and expand their brand, and, and loyalty with that. They want to attract and retain resilient leaders. Um, practice agility and mitigate risk. And I just say, you know, measure relentlessly as you're going through this transformation and or this adoption so that you could make a decision to pivot or stay the course. Don't forget about strategy, and don't forget about portfolio. I think they're essential to have a well-rounded picture of what you would like to achieve as an organization. So, any questions?
1: Yes, let's go with our first one. Um, so it says, what if the project stakeholder, client or customer, does not buy into Agile methodology?
0: So Dan, what have you seen? I have a, I have a response, but what do you think?
2: Well, it's gonna happen. You always have some of the hem and haws of who moved my cheese out there. And I think it becomes more challenging when you have uh, senior leadership they're not bought into it, and are used to seeing uh, the, the roadmaps and the project plans requirements using the typical waterfall. So I think uh, it's common, especially in a waterfall organization. If you don't have the right stakeholders bought in, you have to adjust and do some creative hybrid uh, pivots to satisfy the request and figure out, well, what is it they're looking for to get them to buy in, to be that collaborative, and, and answer the questions that they're looking for, and quite often, Uh, I see the need to develop a roadmap, uh, have that visual aid to track through progress and communicate those executive status reports to kind of report out. So I typically end up blending a lot of agile fundamentals with some PMI fundamentals as well to achieve that very issue.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree, you know, in a lot of ways that we do have to, at times, you know, it's well, we're talking about business leaders and so I'll, I think I will respond in a context is that It's okay for us to create a visual radiator like you said Dan that that is something that they could relate to and understand but I also 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 ask them to you know Suspend disbelief for a short amount of time Let's take a small cycle of I said I will sell them it's only two weeks. this is all we're talking about. Let's use use up let's say 90 days, which gives me six two two-week cycle and one one week cycle that where we could give you feedback every two weeks. you can come and see come and see what's going on and begin to see the improvement of the, the team collaboration. you um, begin to see the throughput, and the the better quality products and services that we're producing so we try i tried to make sure that we could get people to suspend this belief for a little while and give an opportunity for them to have the true experience of what agility could bring but also bridge that gap and give them a visual radiator that they could connect to and say oh yeah this this seems familiar to me until they're able to look at something that's a bit different
1: Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, Next question. How do you successfully communicate strategies across the organization? Can you uh, provide some concrete examples, please? Um,
0: Dan,
2: you want to go first? Well, sure. I guess it depends how you define strategy across the organization. Yeah, I'm currently actively working on a customer, a very large customer right now, who has an end in mind that they want to achieve by a particular day, and how to get there is something to be defined, uh, and the approach along with that. So it's it's what I've seen is it involves very concrete uh, deliverables, visual aids to kind of understand the the approach, articulate it, get buy-in. Uh, under communicate roles and responsibilities. Understand some of the needs and how we're going to do this. Set up again that that roadmap is really important, and then understand you know some, what the milestones will be, and some of the KPIs so you can measure quantitatively and qualitatively your proper progress along the way. On here to make sure one everyone agrees that this is the right approach to achieve the strategy that we've already agreed on first thing, and then kick it off. And I think. Uh, as long as you facilitate that collaboration and consistent communications and provide those uh, forums and ceremonies that have those retrospectives for continuous feedback, you can properly bring everyone on board to discuss and achieve those strategies. And, and look,
0: it's marketing. It's um, Marketing is about communication and influencing people to see things a little differently. Um, it, it, how do you really get the message out about a specific strategy across an organization. And it, it and then it's going to be different if you're co-located or you're distributed. Now I, I say take a marketing approach to this. If, if Pepsi and Coke want to learn, roll out a new brand, I mean, it's very intentional, there's a message behind there, there are goals that you want to achieve. And you go forward and you do a campaign, you know, from your leadership all the way down to, the, to to everyone in the organization. And sometimes those things are visual aids, visual aids that are posted. Sometimes if you have television and, and uh, big screens around the organization, um, there are messages that are uh, shared, exactly what we're doing. Um, you could do those things through town halls. Um, email communication. So it's really uh, truly a marketing effort to ensure that your strategy is well understood and well communicated. Now we use a, a simple things called big room planning. And Dan, you've had the experience, you know, coming to Byrad to to see exactly how we do that. And my bit places where we have 500 or more people trying to do that across the globe, where it's nothing more than the leadership comes together and says, for the next three months, this is our vision, and, and this vision helps to achieve strategy X. These So the team says, okay, here, we understand the vision. We're trying to achieve this specific strategy, and we now as a team have to sit down and plan the tactical activities to achieve those strategic goals. In that way, everyone is bought in who are part of that strategy or part of delivering that element of that strategic theme. Everyone is part of that. So, like I said, marketing. Make sure that these things are communicated well. Bring people together if they're planning tactical activities. And we use this in big room planning to ensure that there's alignment from the leadership down to the people who are, I call, the builders of things. And Denise, we have about four minutes, I just want to do a time check.
1: Um, thank you, then I think we're good to go.
0: Yeah, and feel free, any questions that you have, one cool thing that I do is that I go back and I review the questions and I post them up on our website over at, at NALSHARE.org. Um, so it's normally you will find a blog about this topic that I'll put out there after Denise sends me the recording. So. And i will give me until the weekend or so. But any questions that you have, I respond to them there. Normally, if there's lots of questions, I will kick off the next uh, p- a webinar with answers to your questions. So go out to knowledgeshare.org where you can gather some information about various topics that I am blogging about and things that we're putting out there. Um, I want to tell you, go. this is really important. You guys should pay attention to this. Get out to agilityleadership.com. We're in the process of putting out a set of new cards um, where you could contribute through these new cards. This is the latest re- design for the Agility Leadership card, where your message, where, it's, where I put resilient as a message, where it says, resilient people learn how to succeed. Now it would have your name and also a way for people to contact you. So if you wanted to hook up with me on Twitter, you could put at Dr. Cornelius Info, and we could connect up on Twitter. But also if you wanted to put your website. So this is a great way for you to share your knowledge, your experience, and also get your brand out there. Um, So go to Agility Leadership com. This is uh, something that's limited. We only have um, maybe 54 or so slots, so get in there and, and get your message out. Um, go out to uh, Amazon and buy my book. It's called Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way. And the existing game, you know, agility leadership, is a great way to learn collaboratively and for people to just hang out and, and do cool things together by talking about things like value and and, and strategy. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in giving back, so jump on in and go over to fivesaturdays.org and donate or get involved. Matter of fact, on March May 20th, we're doing a class for um, learning, facility, learning facilitators for this program. Rockshare. I have um, uh, also a podcast where we take different topics, talk to different people. And um, you can hear some of the dialogue that's going out there at grocshare.com or Nile Share with Dr. Dave on iTunes, which is also in Google Play. And yeah, reach out to us, um, to us in Twitter at Nile or go to our website at nileshare.org, or send me an email, customercare at nileshare.org. Coming up next month, we're talking about SOW for Agile Engagements. Um, if you like what we're doing here, you know, come on back. We're talking about... How do we build SOWs for Agile Engagements? i will also like to, to just say thank you, Dan, for for giving your time today, and Denise, um, take it away.
1: That's all we have for you today. Again, thank you, Dave, and thank you, Dan, um, so much for joining us today. This was a great session. And, of course, we'd like to thank our audience, as usual, for uh, being awesome and for some of the great questions and comments, and we hope to see you guys next time. Till then, have a great weekend. Um, enjoy and take care. See you guys.
0: Bye, Denise. Thank you, everyone. Look for the Null with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes and Google Play. The knowledge with Dr. Dave podcast is hosted on grocshear.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Dave Info or at NAL Share. This podcast, an interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2017, NAL Share. Share. with Dr. Dave. NAL Share with Dr. Dave. NAL Share.